This isn't your typical motorsports podcast. You're listening to Crush This, a monster truck podcast presented by High Octane Coffee and J Concepts. A show where we take you inside the minds of your favorite drivers, past and present, of the monster truck industry. And now, your hosts, Brad Shaw and Dan Chichagash. Buckle in. The show starts now. And welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of Crush This Monster Truck Podcast. My name is Bradshaw. You can follow me at the Monster Truck Canucker on all my social media. Um, this one, I'm kind of going to be, you know, take a little bit of a backseat. This one, um, this is a kicking it old school edition, so I might as well throw it to the co, the host of that one, Mr. Dan Chichagosh. Dan, take it away, sir. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, this would be a pretty cool episode, and and uh, kind of fitting, I guess, for the guests that we have. Uh, he uh, is, when we do kick it old school, we normally talk to guys that have been in the industry since, uh, for like, maybe it was in the TNT days or the 80s NHR, USHRA or USA. Well, this guy is kind of, if there was a timeline, I guess they would crop him and put him in modern day where he's supposed to be back in the 80s but it's okay it's okay he loves the old school life he does an awesome youtube video called my old school monster life um he has a very durable old school monster truck modern old school monster truck and he's building a crap load he's like the henry ford right now i think i overdid it for him but he knows me pretty too well so he knows that you know i bs with him a lot but um Alan Finstermaker, how you doing, sir? I am doing very well. How are you, how are you guys doing? Uh, uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing not too bad here up no, in uh, just... the Great White North. <laughs> it's cold up there, man. You can keep that weather up there. Actually, it's not. I was out today in a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, so the weather compared to a month ago when it was blizzarding has definitely gotten better. Outstanding. <laughs> I'm doing good myself. Nothing, but I'll be all right. <laughs> just, just working on uh, on uh, old on my uh, my, I guess, old school ride truck, which is pure energy. But uh, I have a lot of people asking about that truck, which is pretty cool. Like I guess now a lot of people don't know that the ride truck that we have at Halberd. There's, well, it was an old 90s racer, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And then people are going like, oh, are you guys going to plan on selling that? No. <laughs> it's a moneymaker. I was unaware <laughs> that you even have that. Yeah, we do. We have that, and we still have the heavy metal tank. Oh, but, yeah, I tell people. Fun. Yeah, we still have it. But we have have it with the Astro van body, not the nineteen uh, fifties Ford. Uh, that body fell apart, I guess. But and then uh, yeah, and then a bunch of other projects. So we're trying to get stuff. We may try to do something cool for the Hall of Fame. So don't know you. Let's talk about how you got started, Alan. I um, what pursued you to take the route that no one else today real i mean yeah a lot of people take uh, on the stuff you see at the bigfoot open house and stuff like that but when you first started 
doing or creating earthquake. Not a lot of people look seem like they were going to go to the same route that you were doing. So what pursued you to go that route instead of going, hey, I'm just going to build myself a modern truck? Um, the, back in the 60s and 70s, there was a saying that if you win on Sunday, you sell on Monday. And what that meant was all the cars in NASCAR and drag racing were nuts and bolts different from what you could buy at the dealership. So, you know, if your favorite driver won the race on Sunday, you were in the dealership on Monday morning trying to buy that same car. And the reason that whole saying came about was it was identifiable with, I'm going to use the word common man. Um, you know, I have a 75 Ford in my, in my driveway. Well, that's, you know, that's where Bigfoot started. I, I could build that, you know, that's, that's something within my grasp, but I could modify this truck and build it into a monster truck and it's identifiable and relatable to, you know, Joe American. And I think that's what the sport is starting to walk away from or was starting to walk away from because not many people can drop 200 grand on a modern racer, but, you know, dropping 50 grand on an old school truck is doable. And I wanted to bring that back to where, you know, everybody could relate to what they were seeing out on the track. So you got, you, what, uh, just give me the process of how you created your truck. Cause for a while, was it on tractor tires? When I first got that truck, it was a mega truck called Quadzilla. And of course, if you're ever trying to sell a big truck, it's a monster truck when you're trying to sell it. And that's a whole thing that gets under my skin. But anyway, I was looking for something on military axles. So most of the work was done and I traded a really nice 64 Chevelle SS for it sight unseen. And, uh, I thought the guy jumped on it a little bit too quick. So, you know, I, I saw the truck and I was very disappointed in what I got, but, you know, I, I was a big boy about it and, and went through with it, and it was just a disaster. There was nothing right about the truck. And uh, I decided, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I had posted up on some pages on uh, Facebook about building an old school truck and trying to get a nostalgia series started. And a lot of the modern guys were like, well, you know, the old trucks were dangerous. They're slow. Nobody wants to see that anymore. And it got to the point where I just said, you know what? You don't get what I'm saying. So I'm just going to build the truck and show you. And that's kind of where I started building the truck. And through all that, safety was one of the biggest concerns I had because that was one of everyone's biggest concerns. That was my main feedback was, you know, early trucks are unsafe. I well, earthquake will kind of be the benchmark for old school safety. And that's where I took the truck when I was building it. So, you know, when I was, I was just going to ask a quick question there. So when you were like, you know, deciding if you were going to go old school or like a modern, like what, what, what made your decision kind of lean towards more of the old school? Was it what you could have found at the time? Or it was like, you know, would you have went the uh, newer, new school route at the time? 
No, I think I would have been the old school regardless, because like I said, I wanted to have a truck that everybody could relate to. You know, not everybody has a modern race chassis sitting in their driveway, but everybody, well, a good many people have an old pickup truck, you know, be it Ford, Chevy, Dodge, Toyota, whatever. They have an old truck in their driveway. And if I could build a truck that somebody else can relate to, you know, I used to have one of those trucks or I have one of those trucks. I would, I felt that, you know, more people would be interested to see the old school stuff come back. And the catchphrase I used when I first started this endeavor was to move forward. You got to go backwards sometimes and pick up a lot of the fans that were lost along the way as the trucks progressed. So in your process of building trucks, did you uh, look at other past trucks to do uh, frames or did you kind of like, you know, back the way I describe your truck is a, uh, would you agree is a stage two? Uh, because of, I mean, with the technology with going on, I mean, you, you, uh, the like USA one, they still use the, you know, stock frame, but you know, then again, Carolina Crusher used the, the beefier frame or, uh, for instance, Gravedigger uh, kind of has the design where it still had a stock frame and then supports the support, the, the body. What lean, what got you to, is there a certain truck that you wanted to co not copy, but look at, get ideas or you just went, I'm going to make my own creation. Um, actually, and I've, I've said this all along. I have the reason earthquake works as well as it does is I have something that none of the other old school guys ever had to work with. And I have them to learn from. So I can point out six or eight different trucks underneath Earthquake if you look close enough. Um, Southern Sunshine and Gravedigger both use the ladder frame. Well, that's what Earthquake has that keeps mm -hmm. the center of gravity low. Um, USA One had narrower axles and sent and uh, or, or narrower track width, I should say, and and put the hubs as close to centered in the wheels as he could to relieve to relieve all the stress on the knuckles that's what earthquake has i have i think 12 inches of backspace which is just about as far as you can take a stock five ton for backspacing in the wheels um uh the brake guards were from thunder beast you know there's just if you look at different parts of the truck you'll see a lot of the early trucks that really worked well and a lot of newer ideas like my spring packs um, that I made so I could have more flex and actually get the stuff to work right. Now, you still have about 14 inches of travel on your truck, correct? The front springs have 14 inches of travel and the rear springs have 10 inches of travel. Just because they're shorter springs, I lost a little bit of movement. I mean, yeah, that's kind of towards the range of Excalibur. Excalibur had about 12, I believe. Still, I mean, if you wanted, I mean, if, um, um, I mean, if you wanted to, you can, you know, we already saw it, but if you wanted to clear five cars, I think you'd be able to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, I've cleared three already, 
and that, <laughs> uh, the the only time that I had a problem was when I I spaced driving and uh, I let out of the throttle completely and I shouldn't have I should have burped it a little bit and as soon as the tire stopped it uh, one darted into the pavement and ripped the front springs apart but you know that's all learning experience with the old school stuff. See, the, the cool thing that I, I've noticed within the last, I want to say about 10 or so-ish years, is the old school trucks and, like, the, you know, um, Jeff Cook, you know, with the stuff he was doing and he's still doing with a lot of the old school stuff. Even with the Hall of Fame, um, Alan Pizzo coming out with, you know, the original Predator again. The old school movement has definitely gained traction within the last 10 years. And I feel like you coming out with Earthquake kind of stepped it up a little bit in the performance. You know, everybody was just crawling over the cars. You're like iron wall on the cars and kind of just doing your own thing. And that's something that's unique with the old school, uh, old school stuff right now. Yeah. And well, that was when I first started getting into this, that was one of the things that was brought up to me was, you know, these old school trucks aren't entertaining. I'm like, well, they can be. And if you be patient, you know, I'll show you. And that's where I was in 2018 as I was, you know, kind of stretching the boundaries a little bit to see what the truck was capable of. And, you know, I, I found the breaking points many, many times, but <laughs> adjusting, adjusting driving style and, you know, beefing up the truck a little bit, it's starting to be a very reliable truck and I can iron wall cars and I can launch it and it does land nice and it's not hard on me at all. You know, I, I had the opportunity to drive Wicked Sickness back in February and one thing I noticed about that truck is you know, it's a modern race chassis, but it doesn't land all that different than Earthquake. Now, in his truck, I can fly higher and farther, but the landing feels the same. You know, it's not hard on me at all. So, that I mean, that's, you know, talking about that, you, you in, uh, raced that in February. Um, like you said, the, um, probably the suspension, uh, is maybe a slightly different, but uh, how was that for your first go around? Uh, it looked like you had a pretty uh, exciting show. Oh, yeah. Um, Jeff Bercy, uh, he was trying to embarrass me, but it, it, I don't know if it worked all that well because I just kind of roll with it. But um, anyway, I asked him ahead of time. I'm like, you know, I'm a little bit nervous. I said, I've only ever driven a leafer. I said, I'm not sure what this truck is going to do. He said, we'll just drive it like a leafer. So I did, and it wound up letting the truck work better because I wasn't, you know, I was hitting stuff square, and I was I was not trying to break the truck. I was trying to put on a show, and I did. And uh, like I said, it, it, it wound up working out great because the drive style for sickness and earthquake wound up being very similar to to keep both trucks put together. I was gonna wait for you See, there. That's, that's uh, still, that's, I was gonna wait for you there, right. there Cheech. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I was about to start talking anyway, so uh, I was about to say and then and then previously beforehand you did a video uh about the uh, the Starbird uh uh, 
outing. Talk about that. I mean, it's got to be pretty cool seeing Monster Vet and Frankenstein back in action. Oh, it, it was a blast. Um, we went out there to do that show, and um, I'll tell you something about Frankenstein. Cliff had no real intention of restoring Frankenstein, but he wanted trucks at the show. Well, uh, Cliff said that for the prices he was getting to book modern trucks, he could just put Frankenstein back together because he owns his own body shop and, you know, labor's cheap and parts are cheap. So he just threw Frankenstein back together. Well, that truck had been sitting out front of his dad's museum for 35 years. He walks out there with a can of gas and a battery, throws gas down the intake, hooks the battery up, and the thing started. <laughs> and that's how he ran it. That, that, <laughs> so it that, was... That boggles my mind. Yeah, it was... <laughs> mine, too, because I couldn't believe it when he told me that. But... uh we get there Thursday night. You know, the show starts Friday, I guess it was. <laughs> and uh, we meet Cliff at the hotel, and he said, you know, you know, I'm glad you guys showed up. It's going to be fun. He said, but I, it's been 30 years since I tired a truck up. I'm not sure if I can still do it. And I said, well, you know, we'll help you out. So there's pictures somewhere of uh, me and my crew guy uh, helping to tire up the vet and Frankenstein. But it was just a blast. Uh, yeah, I, I to see Cliff get back in the vet, and uh, they were the, the two the guy that used to drive Frankenstein. I can't remember his name, but his two boys were there, and they're the ones that drove the vet and Frankenstein. And uh, I guess they weren't used to the cars. What well, was the first time they'd ever been in any kind of a monster truck? And uh, Cliff shooed the one out of the monster vet and just decided to get silly and monster vet, but it was so cool to watch. See, I mean, I, it, it was just a great, I, I wanted to bring that up because I saw a video on YouTube or Facebook of Cliff driving the vet and it's like, Holy crap. The dude was just taking that truck to its limit. I'm like, they're just bouncing around the cabin. Just like, Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I'm not sure if I should say this, but Frankenstein never had any safety equipment. And when I say it never had any safety equipment, I mean it never even had a lap belt. In it. And uh, I talked to uh, Brandon Elrod. He was crewing for Cliff, and I'm like, look, man, I'm I'm kind of the old school safety guy unofficially and i said i'm gonna get in so much crap you know i'm gonna hear so much crap if you don't have a seat belt in frankenstein because i'm you know they're gonna say i let it happen so go out to the crush cars pull a seat belt out of one of the crush cars and put seat belts in frankenstein <laughs> so they did now and, uh what's that nope oh go ahead go ahead <clears throat> Uh, I was just saying it was it was hilarious, but it was, you know, it was as old school as you could possibly get. And it was like I said, it was just a blast. Now. 
Frankenstein, all it had was leaf springs. It didn't have any shock absorbers in it, right? You know, I don't remember seeing shocks on it. So it had the, just the regular five-ton spring packs on it, front and rear, which means it had and no I, suspension. No. I always liked that truck, how when it got on the cars, it did that funny walk where it, the steering wheel back and forth, you know, it did like a walk instead of rolling. Yeah. I always thought that was neat, but did Cliff ever, did you ever, I don't know if you asked him, but I really want to ask him the question about who was the guy that was getting interviewed in the Battle of the Monster Trucks? I never thought to ask him that. I never thought to ask him that. There's one thing I've learned about this is, I mean, um, about the industry in general is, you can never really believe what the either announcer or the guy being interviewed says, because there's a, there's a lot of misleading information getting thrown around. And uh, it's a lot of it's just for the hype, but you know, some of it's true and some of it isn't. And, you know, it's, it's very possible that, you know, it was a crew guy that, you know, just happened to be there wearing the right color shirt. Yeah. And they, you know, they had that spot to fill on the, on the video. So I wanted to take it back a little bit, you know, we, we, where so like what was the first moment that you you saw a monster truck like what was the like the first show or event like what got you hooked on the monster trucks in the first place oh i got the same story everybody else does uh 1985 philadelphia spectrum after the truck and tractor pulls we watched uh bob chandler and bigfoot come out and he was racing a white mini truck. And to this day, I don't remember if it was the toy or Casper. And I want to say it was the toy. But uh, anyway, I, I fell in love with the big blue Ford. And, you know, I said, one of these days, I'm going to have a truck like that. Well, it took 35 years, but here we are. Man, that's still, that's still pretty cool. And, you know, so you came around and you, you know, it, is he planning on taking these uh, two trucks to uh, the Hall of Fame? <clears throat> he said he had talked about taking the vet there, but I, I don't count him out for taking either one of them there. Um, like I said, it might be Frankenstein, it might be the vet, it might be both. Uh, but I know he had said something about bringing the vet to the Hall of Fame this year. He still drove that truck pretty hard. Real hard. In fact, uh, um, he tried to climb up onto the SUVs that we had there. They had like two Jeep Liberties or a Jeep Liberty and something similar. And instead of climbing up on them, he wound up drop kicking them oh, a good 20 feet. <laughs> nice. He, he was, he was, yeah, he was not afraid to use that truck. So, <clears throat> let's talk about not afraid, and let's talk about Springfield, I think, 2018. Uh, Matt Motorsports. Uh, a lot of people in the monster truck world were talking about your little, uh, with, with your uh, nice little leap. Um, was that intended to hit or hit it that area or you were just in the moment you're like okay let's do 
but and then the outcome was just perfect. Um, actually, no, I had planned that. Uh, the night before, I went off of the race ramp first, and I didn't realize that the jammer was that tall, so I just kind of dropped off the race ramp. Well, I cracked the rear yoke for the rear drive shaft on coming off of the first cars. And then <coughs> when I, uh, in fact, if you see the, the pictures from Friday night, I, I pulled the wheelie because I tried to get up on, you know, hit the jammer the next go around. And as soon as the front wheels left the, the ground, it put enough stress on the rear U-joint that it shattered the rear U-joint and I lost my drive shaft. So uh, the second night was Saturday and I said, well, I'm just going to hit the jammer because it does less damage. So I talked to uh, oh, Colby Mitchell and uh, I said, okay, we got the truck fixed because there was, you know, I had to go out into the track the next morning and pick up all the pieces of my undercarriage and put them back in the truck. And uh, I told Colby, I said, you're going to want to sit right here. I said, because I'm going to hit that jammer. I'm going to hit it hard. He goes, okay. <laughs> so I did my little parade wrap to, par parade lap to get heat into the engine. And then I, I hit it as hard as I, I dared. And I remember being in the air thinking, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if I'm in the air because I couldn't really tell. And then I felt the back axle pogo off of the cars. And all I could think was, ooh, that's going to be a cool picture. Like, like, I can just imagine, like, you coming up to the ramp. You have, you know, an angel on one shoulder, a devil on the other shoulder. Angel's telling you, don't you dare do it. And all of a sudden, just the, the devil, just is like the demon's like, you got to do it. Just just send it. Just send it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I had a, a friend of mine. That, uh, runs a tow truck, Jason Harden, and uh, his dad's tow company, and and you know him and his dad run the tow trucks for the monster truck shows and and supply the cars. And uh, he was giving me feedback, and he said uh, a lot of the modern drivers saw me hit that, and their jaws just dropped because they weren't ready for it. You know, they didn't think a lever would do that, but I. I I knew what the truck would do. You know, I, I knew I had a good solid cage. I knew I had a containment seat. I uh, have good harnesses in it. So I wasn't worried about getting hurt, but I wanted to see what the truck would do. So, yeah, I, I laid into it to see what, see what would happen. But then the following day, that's when you did your little nose and hurt the front end of the truck, correct? No, that was actually the next month. Uh, we just did that little oh. two-show exhibition in June, and then, oh, that was a story. The next day, <clears throat> I'm sorry, in July, they had the fair show. Uh, John, same promoter, uh, Matt Motorsports. And I actually had local people call John to see if I was going to be racing, and he said, well, no, because we don't want to have the same trucks over and over again. So I said, okay, you know, that makes sense, whatever. Well, we had made plans to go to the local amusement park, Silver Dollar City. They were having their Moonlight Madness thing where you could ride till 10 o'clock at night. So we went down there as the family. I get off of the first roller coaster and Tiffany's on the phone. 
And I said, who are you talking to? And she said, it's John. So she hands me the phone and uh, I hadn't planned on doing anything. So I had my truck apart. I was putting a new engine in it. And he said, hey, how's your truck? I said, well, the engine's sitting in the driveway right now. He goes, oh, well, I had two cancellations. Can you can you be at the fairgrounds at 11 o'clock tomorrow? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the end of our, our uh, family night out at the amusement park. Went home and I got my nephew and son-in-law. And we trashed till about one o'clock in the morning to put the truck back together. Got a couple hours of sleep, woke up, broke the cam in, got it loaded on a rollback. My hauler was down. I didn't, I didn't even have a hauler to get there. But uh, like I said, Jason Harden with the rollback, rolled back me up there. And I towed a car trailer with my tires on it and uh, did the opening ceremony and wheelie competition. Second hit tore the front end out of the truck <laughs> at oh, the end of man. the weekend. <laughs> man, but I mean, what the... But every single time you did changes, like for instance, uh, the RII system that you did, uh, you guys saw what episode, uh, has that done anything different or has that been uh, consistent in uh, your RII? Because I remember you had the previous RII company that you had was not very consistent consistent on uh on your truck but you had this new one that um uh the good dave rife not the crappy one in virginia <laughs> I'll probably get ridiculed by that but um now the one in michigan awesome dave rife uh he, he, he talked about that in mtra about that situation uh how is that for you right now and and uh, uh, have you experimented more? Has there been other trucks that you've been with that has the same technology that you guys could do what you need to do, saying this thing has a frequency for one truck, has another two frequency for your truck, and can one run it with one controller? We have not been at an event to where, <laughs> excuse me, um, Dave has been there with his, because to my knowledge, he has the only promoter radio that can load the uh the different frequencies in so we have not been at an event and dave if you're listening i would love to be at an event uh anyway that we could use his promoter radio but as far as dependability and reliability for the granite radio oh my god it is so much better than anything i've ever dealt with even with the birch and the mud radios it's just there every single time. It does exactly what it's supposed to. It never hiccups. I love it. The the three belt that we had. Now I I went back and forth with the guys from three belt, and uh, they actually changed my radio. My old radio is the only one like it because it's got different circuitry in it to try to make it live an earthquake, and it would still cut the ignition out intermittently and sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't and it just it got to the point where you know enough is enough i i can't keep faking radio tests in front of promoters because it worked when i left here but it didn't work when i got to the track and it's it's embarrassing and you know i, I just i couldn't deal with that and it's not safe you know if 
if the radio doesn't work when it needs to work, you know, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. That's the whole reason we have them. Now with this new radio, no issues. It, every time I test it, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. There's never an issue. It doesn't mess with the ignition system like the old radio did. I'm just over the moon happy with the granite radio. And I think that's pretty cool that, I mean, you're doing that. I mean, the radio and stuff like that. And then the drive shafts, like uh, you have your truck. You're also proving that all the safety is about the same thing as Mark Terminator. You know what I mean? It's starting to become that way. Well, yeah. And like I said, that was one of the, the biggest concerns, I'll say, from the modern truck guys is the old school trucks aren't safe. But if you look at Earthquake, when I built it, I built it to the modern MTRA rule book. You know, of course, I don't have link bars, so I don't have to worry about those rules. But everything else, the cage design, um, I have wheel restraints on it. I have brake guards on it. I have the, the modern style dry shaft cages on it, like you said. Everything about that truck is modern safety standards. And that's, like I said, that's why I built the truck the way I did. I wanted it to be the benchmark for a nostalgia series for competition. And that way, everybody is as safe as can possibly be if we go out there and uh, start turning these old school trucks up. So one uh, thing I wanted to bring up is your involvement with the Bigfoot Open House and the kind of old school exhibition you guys do. And I believe you guys have done that the last two open houses. And how did that all come about, you know, with you guys doing, you know, you have a bunch of trucks there yourself, uh, the Blaine Crusher truck. How did that uh, all come about? Oh, in 2016, uh, I restored High Roller. And High, High Roller's owner, Jeff Kreckler and Jim Kramer, had met each other and started to be pretty good friends. Well, he wanted to debut uh, High Roller at the Big Open House. And Jeff had been working with other people and they were kind of dragging their feet with working on the truck. So I messaged him and I said, you know, I can get you back on schedule if, if you want. And, you know, I have all the parts here. So I said, we can get this project rolling. He said, great. So he dropped off the truck and, uh, I got it from a bare clean frame to a rolling chassis with a tilt nose front end in 17 days. And the first time it was ever out was, uh, 2016 at the Bigfoot open house. And because high roller was there and Jeff Kreckler and Jim Kramer were friends, you know, I had called Bigfoot and said, Hey, would it be okay if I came out and displayed my truck earthquake? And they said, sure, you know, just be here at this time. And, uh, uh, you know, here's where you set up and here's where you park. And I said, okay, great. So the first two years we were just displaying there. And then, I think the monsoon edition, I think that was 20. Yeah, we were displaying, but Jeff was invited out onto the field to kind of mix it up with Bigfoot one. Uh, Jim Kramer's driving Bigfoot one. And it was 
a raging downpour off and on most of the days. So uh, anyway, everybody loved it. You know, they saw the old school trucks out there slinging mud and everybody had a good time. Well, then Bigfoot saw that and said, well, maybe next year we could do something a little bit more. Of course, you know, me, I'm all for it. So uh, Jeff, Jeff kind of spearheaded all that with uh, Bob Trent and Jim Kramer. And they had asked me about uh, getting other trucks there. And I said, well, you know, I've talked to Scotty with Blaine Crusher off and on through Facebook, and he seemed like a real upstanding dude. So I said, get a hold of him and uh, Roni with uh, One Bad Ombre, uh, who has now sold the truck, and he's on to bigger and better things. But anyway, we rounded up, what was it, five or six trucks, and uh, we had our little exhibition the first year. And I think that was, yeah, 2018. And then 2019, you know, the the usual sp- suspects showed back up. And, you know, then we could put on a show because the trucks were progressing that much. So, you know, it started little by little. And uh, the, the more we do it, the the bigger the show gets. I think last year there was 3,000, 3,500 people there. It was, it was nuts. I just think it's a really cool thing, you know, because it – it go, you guys go from like, you know, the old school trucks to, you know, them doing the exhibitions in the race trucks. It kind of shows younger fans the kind of steps that, you know, that the monster truck industry took to get where they're at today. I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. And that's, like I said, sometimes you got to step backwards to go forwards. You know, a lot of the kids don't understand, you know, they think grave digger, 23 was the first grave digger ever and you know it could always fly 50 feet in the air and they, they don't get that you know grandma was just a rebodied mud truck that dennis beat the crap out of on a regular basis to to get <laughs> to where they are now and uh that was cliff's big thing with the monster truck show he did back in february is he wanted to show a progression from uh monster vet and frankenstein in the very early days to something like earthquake like you called it a stage two you know it's a little bit more advanced it can do more things and it's a little bit more dependable and then on up to uh alan pizzo's truck predator and uh you know just show the progression and all the feedback i got from that show was yeah that was amazing that was great you know i i miss seeing all that stuff the new still the new trucks are very cool and they can do amazing things but, you know, it was fun to see, you know, a real-time progression of, you know, monster trucks through the years all in one show. Which, I mean, that it's still pretty cool to see that progression, but it's also pretty cool to see, you know, uh, at the Hall of Fame when you have your truck parked next to uh, other historical trucks. And, you know, yeah, people that bring out trucks that, a lot of people haven't seen for almost 30 plus years. Oh, it's, it's a blast. Like I said, and it's, um, I, I don't want to give myself away, but there's a lot of people that say, Oh yeah, I remember this truck from back in the day. I'm like, do you though? <laughs> Cause they remember the name earthquake, but it didn't look like that. You know, Terry Woodcock had that name on the West coast and, uh, 
you know, the name was out there and Terry and I have an agreement to use the name, but, uh, you know, it, it wasn't my truck. And just because it's a real steel body truck, they don't get that it's a, a new build, but you know, that's, that's cool too, because, you know, I'll, I'll take it when I can get it. But, uh, you know, I, I usually point out that it's a, it's a new build, you know, it's only, only been a monster truck for seven years. And as far as, you know, early trucks, that's a long time, even for an early truck. Uh, and also, is there any social media that you, uh, you, uh, can anyone follow you as, uh, especially your video, uh, uh, your old school monster life, which is pretty cool. So take a look at that on YouTube, right? Is it old school monster life? Yeah. If you get on YouTube, it's, uh, it's under old school monster life. Shaker racing might bring it up. Um, on Facebook, if you go to Earthquake Monster Truck or Shaker Racing Monster Truck Team, either one of them will bring you to the team page, and uh, it'll show you what we're doing in the shop. Like right now, we're building a truck for a guy named Philip Smith. Um, he got a hold of me at the beginning of well, he, towards the end of last year, and uh, there, there's the relatability thing again. He had the truck he drove to high school back in the 80s had just been sitting for the last 10 years and he's been following what I've been doing. So he said, you know, it's time I, sit, I do something with this truck. I want you to build a monster truck out of it. I'm like, um, okay. So, <laughs> so, you know, that's where we are with this truck, but you know, he saw something cool and he saw something that he could afford to do. So, you know, he's, he's going to live the dream now. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Not gonna lie, but, uh, Man, thank you for being on. I got one more question. It's probably a serious question. Maybe it is, maybe it won't, but uh, what's your favorite pie? My favorite pie? Hands down, coconut cream pie. Well, we're going to mark that down as one. You are tied for third with 20 other people. <laughs> See, at least okay. you didn't say pumpkin. At least you didn't say pumpkin. No, yeah, no. Pumpkins I, right now. I enjoy it. <laughs> okay, I enjoy a good pumpkin pie. Coconut cream is my favorite. One more quick one: eggnog, yes or no? Oh no, no, no! Yes, another, wrong. another one. I take that as a victory, sir. You are right now at the Hall of Fame. Oh my of, goodness! Uh, yeah. Suck on You're that, right Norman Brothers. Hall of Fame already. Stupid Norman Brothers, sisters, whatever, <laughs> whatever you guys are. <laughs> But uh, man, thank you for thank you for being on, and uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully see you in the see you in you know this year if the world actually wants to open back up. Right. Well, what I always sign off with is uh, we'll see you down the road somewhere. So yes, like you said, when when all this madness is over and we get back to monster trucking, we'll 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 get back to the. the big dysfunctional family and have a good time again right 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 so uh hey once again thank you so much uh it's great to have you on and uh uh see see uh, a side that uh a lot of people don't get the chance to maybe listen to is you know still the the kick it old school lifestyle so um thank you for being on and uh hopefully we can have you back on soon all right thanks a lot guys all right, thank you.
That was Alan, and also Alan Pinstermaker. But also want to thank uh, Nick Davis from uh, Bat Channel Productions, J Concepts, uh, also uh, High Octane Coffee. Thank you guys. Also in this episode, we can actually re- release the news, uh, Brad, that uh, we got uh, I, I don't know the company, but they're the same company who does the wrestling tees. Yep. So uh, pro wrestling. You want to go ahead and explain to them about it. Pro wrestling tees, aka one hour tees, out of Chicago. Um, a lot of people know them. Um, they're doing a kind of a secondary website for podcasts and other stuff like that. So we're gonna have shirts available soon, like a team eggnog or you know, uh, what's your favorite kind of pie shirt? We're gonna be doing a lot of cool stuff with that. So look forward to that soon, guys. So that's, uh, you know, that's uh, coming up. And, uh, folks, uh, be on the lookout also for uh, our live episodes that will be coming up. Uh, you know, um, by this time, this episode, we already been through a couple others. So uh, be on the lookout for a couple of that. But, uh, uh, Brad, uh, let's sign off here, bud. All righty. I'm Dan Egg Cheech. Yeah, that's Cheech. This is Brad, the Monster Truck Canucker Shaw, and joined us today was Alan Fessermaker. As we always say on Crush This, keep the rubber side down and the shiny side up. Peace.